Let's open our Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 16. We got down to verse 13. I might begin reading with verse 10 just to bring you into focus of what we're studying about here. But verse 13 is where we left off, I believe. In verse 10 it says, And the fifth, fifth angel poured out his vial, these vile are bowls of wrath, of judgment, upon the seat of the beast. That means the throne of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. Before we go any further, if you'll remember these vials or bowls of judgment, beginning with verse 1, that were poured out, brought uh, sores, and, and the blood, uh, water became blood, and they brought, brought different uh, judgments upon the people. And then the fourth angel in verse 8, uh, poured out his vial upon the sun. And verse 9 says, men were scorched with, with heat. And so in verse 11 it says uh, that uh, they blasphemed God, the God of heaven, because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. After all these uh, judgments uh, accumulated or added up, and they just seemed to be one added to the other, and during this particular time, they were still suffering the first judgment of the sores and other things that had come upon them. And now, they, instead of repenting of their sins after so many judgments of these first four judgments, and when the fifth one comes, they still repented not of their deeds. Now, verse 12, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now then, uh, of course, we know that the Euphrates, the borderline uh, between the old Roman Empire and the land of Palestine, and uh, this may even mean that the far eastern Asiatic nations, the kings of the east, like China and Japan, we don't know, but the drying up of the Euphrates uh, will remove the barrier uh, so that the predicted gathering of the nations as well as the kings of the east might come upon Jerusalem. And you'll find a reference to that in Joel chapter 3 verse 2. Let me read Joel 3 verse 2. Uh, God says, I will also gather all the nations, all nations who will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And then he goes on to tell that he will bring them in this chapter uh, to a place where the, the, they will have the great uh, uh, battle of Armageddon. In fact, in verse 10, if you have still have the book of... Did I say Joel? I did say Joel, didn't I? Okay. Uh, but in verse 10 of the third chapter, it says, Beat your plowshares into swords... And your pruning hooks into spears. Now then, when the kingdom of God comes, when the millennial comes, He shall beat your swords into plowshares. He's going to change it around. In fact, we have that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 2. But here, in view of this judgment, they were going to turn their farming implements into uh, uh, implements of war. And so, uh, the Lord is preparing for that and He made... Uh, way for the kings of the east to come in our present text. Uh, Revelation 16, verse 12. Now look at it. 
that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And we said, not only the kings of the east and the Asiatic hordes that will come upon uh, Jerusalem and the land of Palestine in that day, but we find that all the nations that Joel refers to, they would just be a combination of many nations. Now then, verse 13 is where we left off, so we'll try to pick up there. It says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. You remember the dragon is Satan. We already uh, qualified that in the 12th chapter. It says that old serpent, that old dragon, that old serpent, the devil and Satan. And that was Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, I believe. That's what he's called. He's called the dragon. He's called the serpent. He's called the devil. He's called Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. So he's a deceiver with what comes out of his mouth. These three uh, individuals, the dragon or the devil and the beast, that's the beast of the 13th chapter, the, the head of the empire, the political empire, Beast, And then the false prophet is spoken of. That's the second beast of Revelation chapter 13. It comes up out of the land of Palestine. And these will all be inspired by Satan. And uh, of course, they are the, the wicked side of the religious world. They're the evil side of both the political and religious world. The devil is the instigator of all of it. You know, the devil tries to deceive and the lying and deceptive words that come out of their mouth. See, notice what it says there. Unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And these are contrasted with the pure, true word of the Lord that comes out of His mouth. You see, the, the devil has an evil word that comes out of his mouth. And the, the beast has evil words that come out of his mouth. And the false prophet has evil words that come out of his mouth. But Jesus has the true word of God. Amen. And we find that uh, this is in contrast to what Christ's mouth will bring that true word of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 that God who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us in His Son, or by His Son. And then uh, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. And in the book of Revelation, we've already studied where Jesus is seen as the sword, the sword, the Word of God coming out of His mouth. And uh, the first chapter, when we see Him glorified, it says, out of His mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Now, it doesn't mean a literal sword went out of the mouth of the glorified Christ. It means that the Word of God that He spoke went out with great power so that it cut like a two-edged sword. Just like in uh, reference to Hebrews 4 verse 12 that we just gave you. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And so the Word of Christ will rule. And the truth of Christ will rule and overcome these... uh, evil words of Satan and of his empire that we see in the 13th verse here in our text. Hold your place now, always where we're studying. Everything here is inspired of Satan. 
And it says in verse 14, For they are the spirits of devils or demons, working miracles, by the way, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to, to the battle of the great day of, the, of God Almighty. So, these uh, demonic spirits come out of the mouth of these three. And you have the, the first one is the dragon, Satan. The second one is the beast. That's the head of the political, uh, of the Roman Empire, the revived Roman Empire. We'll get into some more of that in the next chapter, showing you that it will be revived. And that great Babylon that we see, both ecclesiastical, that is uh, as far as uh, worship is concerned, or church, apostate church, uh, and, and civil, political, and also commercial. You have these three aspects of the Babylon of the, of the future. And everything uh, will be controlled by those uh, three entities of the great false church and the false uh, uh, kings and leadership and the false uh, commerce or the commerce that's built upon their power and it'll all fall in the next chapter. In fact, we've seen it predicted here when we get down to verse 19. A little more to say about the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth. This is verse 14. Uh, the Bible teaches that uh, in the last days, let me read First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, now the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly. That's uh, plainly, clearly, expressly. Uh, that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Now listen, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now if that is true in, even in these days, and Paul spoke of it as in the last days. If that's true in these days, think of how much more that that will be true when these three great uh, evil uh, powers arise. Satan controlling the beast and the false prophet. And all of these are present. And they're the spirits of devils working miracles. And they go forth into the kings of the earth and of the whole world, it says, to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. So we can see that evil will be in full force. John tells us about it in 1 John chapter 4 <clears throat> when he tells us what to look for. He says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. So if we have to do that in this day and hour, how much more? Because he says, because many false prophets, we have many false prophets today, and he said, in his day are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. So the preaching and teaching of Christ coming into this world, the Word became flesh, that's of God. That's of God. But it says, uh, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh does not believe in the virgin birth, the incarnation, the deity of Christ, is not of God. And he says, and this is that spirit of Antichrist. He doesn't say the Antichrist, but he says Antichrist, against Christ. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. 
Even in John's day, the same Spirit was in the world. But it will be so much magnified in the days of the tribulation period that we're studying here in Revelation. Man, he tells us how to discern between what's right and wrong. These uh, people in the book of Revelation will be worshiping demons. They will be worshiping Satan. They will be worshiping the beast. And they'll be listening to the false prophet. And they'll accept the Antichrist and believe on him. And they will have doctrines of seducing spirits and demons even then. Now then, look at verse uh, 15. Hold your place now. Always hold your place there. When I say verse 15, I'm not talking about a reference we've gone to. So just hold your place. The warning comes right now. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. You know, it's time when all of these things are happening for the Lord to give a final warning, isn't it? He says, I'm coming... Now, he's talking about His coming in Revelation chapter 19. We know that He's coming for His own, for us, before all of this happens. But, we know that He's warning those, even those in the tribulation period, to, to be careful. And to realize that He's coming in power and great glory. And going to bring judgment upon Satan and the beast and the false prophet that are already named here. These unclean spirits that come out of them... Uh, 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 and he's going to bring judgment on demon worship. And all of this is going to happen. And so he gives a final warning. Now verse 16. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Let me stop there for a moment and reiterate what I said previously. That we're talking about some things here that God is going to do at the end of the book. And when you get down to chapter 19, but he's announcing them here. It's not as if here in the 17th chapter he's gathered them together. Because he's gathered them together and Babylon will be discussed in the 17th and 18th chapter. Now listen carefully. Babylon in the 17th and 18th chapter will be included in what announcement are made here. It will be a kind of an appendix to what we find told in this chapter. So it's not all done, even though he says he's gathering them together. They will not completely be gathered together until right before Christ comes. In Revelation 19, where it tells he's coming with power and great glory, and he comes and he makes war and he judges, that's when the battle will take place, even though it's announced right here. In the same way about the fall of Babylon in verse 19. Let me read it and we'll come back. Look at verse 19. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came into remembrance before God. Well, great Babylon came into remembrance before God. So she's going to be uh, fallen too, just like we read. If you look back in the 14th chapter, the chapters before here, verse 8, it says there, there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, her uncleanness. And it was announced in 14 verse 8, and somewhat previously. But it doesn't take place in chronological order. It's only a foreview of what is to come. It's only saying that it's going to happen. Because you read the, the details of it, 
in chapter 17 and 18 about Babylon. In chapter 17 and 18, you'll read, listen carefully, you read about uh, religious Babylon, you read about political Babylon, and you read about commercial Babylon. Commerce is going to be affected. The merchants of the earth are going to be disappointed because of failure. The uh, political powers are going to fall. And uh, the apostate church is going to fall. And uh, all of it's trying to stem out to one great worldwide church. And by the way, when you participate in ecumenicalism to try to make everybody one church... You're heading up to try to do this very thing that will be done in the tribulation period. And we've got not only Baptist churches, but we've even got fundamental Baptist churches that are doing that very thing. And they, they rub shoulders with all kinds of, of denominations and even cults somewhat. And we cannot do that. We have to learn to stand where God's Word stands. And if we don't, We're going to contribute to that. And even though we'll be taken out, thank God for that, we'll still be contributing to the overall picture of a one world church that the Lord Himself will have to judge when He comes at the end of the tribulation period. Someone say, well, Brother Joyce, why are you so independent? Because I believe the Bible teaches that. That's why. And I believe that it teaches that we should stand for God's Word, for the local church, and for the Great Commission, and do what God wants us to do, regardless of how popular it is, to rub shoulders with the world, and to compromise your convictions, and to take on every kind of entity that comes along, and be involved in everything that comes down the pike. Now, uh, I've heard people say, well, well, uh, you don't get a lot of members that way. Well, maybe not. I had a lady call me today asking me this afternoon. She probably moved here from Silver City, her and her uh, family. And I talked to her about different preachers we knew, Brother Axley over there, and also uh, uh, Bill Moffat. She used to be in Carlsbad. But anyway, to make a long story short, she was wanting to know if we was an independent Baptist church and started asking all kinds of questions. I gave her all the kind of answers I could. But anyway, uh, sometimes... When someone calls like that, I've seen preachers that would make all kinds of concessions to try to to say, well, you know, when we get when they get here, we want them a new member. I tell them just like it is, I, and I tell them what we believe and what missionaries we support, and 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 that's the way we leave it. And if they come and are blessed, fine. If they come and don't like it, I just have to say that's fine too because that's their decision. And uh, we don't try to, to uh, be uh, mean to anyone. We try to love everyone. We want them to uh, hear the truth and believe it. But we're not going to compromise our convictions. And uh, so I know that this is going to lead to that. We'll get more into it in the, in the um, uh, 17th and 18th chapter. Let's see. Now, verse, uh, verse 16 is what we studied. He gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew... Uh, Tongue, Armageddon. <clears throat> now, and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. Now, under this seventh angel, this is the last one of the vials or judgments. But under this seventh angel that pours out his wrath, and we'll get into the details of it here in a moment, 
comes also the 17th chapter and the 18th chapter, all of the wrath and judgment that, that will be, uh, you might say, an appendix to this, these statements here, uh, take place under this seventh judgment, this seventh vial. This is the last one. And everything in the way of God's judgment that happens from here till Jesus comes again in the 19th chapter, when He comes back in power and great glory, everything that's mentioned here comes under this judgment. And everything that's mentioned in chapter 17, in chapter 18, in the first part of chapter 19, till you get down to Christ's coming, will take place after this seventh judgment is pronounced. So keep that in mind. Just because you read in verse 17 that the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air doesn't mean it's the end of the judgment. It's a continuation of this final judgment. A continuation. Now then, let's look at this. He poured out his vial into the air. Bowl of judgment. Wrath. Now this is Satan's sphere, the air. He's the prince in power of the air, the Bible says. Remember we read earlier in the 12th chapter, verse 9 and 10. Let me read that again. It says, And the great dragon was cast out. Well, if he's cast out, why is it that the angel poured out his vial into the air? Because this is the announcement of his casting out, but the completion of it is just right before the, the end of the tribulation period. It's when the finality of it really happens. So, in verse 9, 12th chapter, verse 9, The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent which is called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. But his fear is still in the heavenlies. Now then, the reason I say that is that this is not fulfilled as yet. It's the announcement of the fulfillment of it. And his angels were cast out with him. We showed you how that referred back to... uh, a casting out of the devil from the very heavenlies in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28. But here, it's telling about it. Now verse 10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. The word now means that when all of this is done, it will come. It means... Instead of in 12 verse 10 now, in the context of chapter 12 verse verse 10, it means that at the coming of Christ it will be complete. The now is still future as far as the revelation here is concerned. You see, what I'm trying to say again and again is all this is anticipating the climax of all that will happen, both good and evil, at the end of the tribulation period, the end of it comes in the 19th chapter when we see the announcement of Christ coming in power and great glory. So, let me continue to read uh, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And as I say, that's anticipating the final destruction of Satan. Now turn back, hold back in Revelation 16. Now then, you have uh, verse 17 again. 
the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. As we said, this is Satan's sphere. He's the prince in the power of the air. His power and dominion is now dealt with in wrath. It's announced here that God will deal with him in wrath. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. It is done. There will be a time that it will be accomplished, completely done, finished. But you know, Satan's power is limited. It's limited. God is only going to let him have so much power. I was intrigued as I was studying this. I want you to turn back to the book of Exodus, the 8th chapter, if you will. (laughs) I found something there and I wanted to pass it on to you. You know, these judgments, many of them are somewhat, even the sores we mentioned earlier in this chapter, we find that, that Moses brought judgment upon Pharaoh and the Egyptian in the form of sores as the plagues. But I want you to look in, in uh, chapter 8, and let's begin reading verse 5. I want to show you two instances here where Satan's power is limited. Two instances in these plagues, even in the Old Testament, where Satan's power is limited. Now, I want you to watch carefully. Verse 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses. You have Exodus 8, verse 5. Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams and over the rivers and over the ponds and cause frogs to come come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. Now look. And the magicians did so with, so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. See, some of these miracles, even the magicians, satanic inspired, could perform. They brought up frogs. We'll say, well, that's no special thing because Moses brought frogs up all over the land as a plague and judgment. And by the way, I can't figure out why the devil would want to increase the number, do you? But... That's what they did. Now look. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice to the Lord. Now they they could bring up the frogs, but Pharaoh says, Now to get rid of them, I'm going to have to go to a higher power than my magicians. The devil couldn't get... See, his power was only to bring in the form of magicians to bring up the frogs like did uh, Moses and Aaron under the command of God. See, God can bring judgments. The devil can bring up and imitate those, but he, he can't do anything about getting rid of them. So notice there, when Pharaoh gets tired of them, he says, listen, I want Moses, I want you to entreat God. Why didn't he go to the magicians and say, now you magicians brought these frogs up, you get rid of them. He knew their power was limited. That's what he knew. Now then, uh, I'll read a couple more verses and then give you another part down here in the 14th verse. But let's notice this. Verse 9. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the flocks? frogs from thee and thy houses that they may remain in the river only. That's where they belonged. So he says, when, when do you want me to, to get rid of these frogs? Now look, verse 10. This is crazy. 
And he said, tomorrow. Brother, listen, I wouldn't have said tomorrow, would you? They were in their bed chambers. They were in their kneading troughs. And do you know he wanted, he'd have to sleep with those frogs another night? A lot of people have to stay with their sins another night because they don't want to do it now. They don't want to get rid of the problem now. And when you come to the place that it gets so bad for you, why put it off to another day and say, I'm going to take care? A lot of people say, I'll take care of accepting the Lord at another time. I'll take care. You know, I'm backslidden and we're running away from God, but I'll take care of that at another time in the future. I'm going to get that right before I die. Well, I hope you do, but it'd be a lot better. You'd enjoy the ride more if you'd get it right now. So anyway, uh, we just wanted to show you the power of Satan and how it's limited. And let me give you another thing. Drop down to verse verse uh, 14 and 15. And they gathered them together. After, uh, after Moses got rid of the frogs, they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. Well now, I wonder what Pharaoh thought Moses would do with these frogs. I mean, after all, if he gets rid of them, they've got to go somewhere. And so he says, uh, but when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he wanted him to get rid of them and just get completely rid of them. See? He couldn't do that. He just got rid of them. He killed them. And when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Now, he had already promised in verse 8 that he would, if they'd take away the frogs, he'd let the people go. Now he hardens his heart. You see, you can't trust some rulers. These guys like we're dealing with today, what they're trying to do is squirm out of the situation they're in, and they'll tell all kinds of stuff, and we'll talk about peace, and then they'll go right back to the same old pattern, just like Saddam Hussein did. See, we got out of there, and he went right back to the same old thing. And we got the same thing over there in Yugoslavia right today. If you got out of there and let that fellow alone, he'd go right back to the same old pattern. It doesn't change him a bit. He just says, take away the military. Take away these airstrikes and we'll do everything right. Okay. Now then, one more place and I want to show you the power of Satan. We'll get back to Revelation in just a moment. Look in verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, you have... Exodus 8, verse 16. You still have Exodus 8, verse 16. The Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now here is a plague of lice upon the people that God said, uh, I want you to smite the dust of the earth and the dust will become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth and it became in man and in beast. Became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now I want you to show, look at verse 18. Here's the power of Satan again limited. It says, and the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lies, but they could not. I was talking to Randy the other day about our, uh, the people that do all of this genes uh, type of thing, and they uh, can let a woman have a baby, and maybe she needs a, a, a child too. There's good things about it. We're not going to argue about that. But we're just going to say that sometimes they let things get out of control. You see? They, 
they can manipulate what's already here, but they cannot create it from the beginning. They cannot create it. And it's just like uh, just a day or two ago, and probably some of you have seen it, there's in no racial intent with this statement. But this one woman had a colored baby and a white baby. Twins, but they were not twins. Twins, but not twins. You see, man's technology and man's uh, scientific ways of doing can only go so far. And sometimes it's just beyond their control to do what they think they ought to do. And they looked into that and found out that uh, she uh, actually had two different genes or two different sperms implanted in her and she ended up with a, with twins, but they were not twins. One was from a colored uh, daddy and one was from a, a white man. So uh, you have those things happen because what is it? Man has only so much control and he thinks he's really coming along nowadays. You know, we're getting really wise. We created a computer that just does marvelous things and yet we're just scared to death of it in about a year from now. Less, aren't we? Because we don't know what's going to happen. We've created a monster that we don't know what to do with. And I've got one and I love it. I use it all the time. But the thing about it is, Sometimes we just think we know, we know it all and we don't know everything. And it's and just like the devil here. He thought he had things going his way back in Revelation now, if you'll turn back there. I just wanted to show you those two places where, where uh, the devil's power was limited. He, couldn't, he could bring the frogs, but he couldn't take them away. When it come to the lice, he, he did his magician work and he couldn't make uh, anything out of the dust. God only makes something out of the dust, doesn't He? Okay. Now, Revelation 16. Now then, verse 18, it says, There were voices and thunderings and lightnings. This is, and there was a great earthquake. This is indicative of more tribulation, more terrible things to come. And I believe the great earthquake was probably a great earthquake, just like it says, not symbolical in any sense of the word. Such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came into remembrance before God. Now then, uh, when we get in the next chapter, 17 and 18, we'll find that Babylon is compared to a city. And we'll discuss that when we get to the, to the right place. But it says, To give, her, give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So these judgments are going to come upon Babylon. And these terrible uh, separations or dividing into three parts was going to take place. Verse 20, And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. This is a sweeping judgment. Everything before it falls. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. Now, there's no, no reason to believe this is not a literal hail. This is another, you know, God sent hail in the days of Moses, didn't He? And now he says, a great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. You know what the weight of a talent is? A hundred pounds. Can you imagine hailstones as big as a sack of concrete? Can you imagine a hundred pound weight of hail coming down upon men and upon uh, the earth? 
We're talking about destruction. And every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blaspheme God. What they do? They didn't turn around and pray and say, God, help these hailstones to get away from here. Of course, the ones that hit, they wasn't there anymore anyway. But I mean, the ones that had the hail round about them. The ones that knew the destruction that was coming because of that. What happened? Instead of praying, what did they do? They, they blasphemed God because of the plagues. Because of the plague of the hail. For the plague thereof was exceeding great. So that's what men are going to do. The men that are not killed previously. Now many of them will already have been judged and die. By the, the stroke of the sun, the sun scorching them with heat, by the plagues that we've already discussed up here in the, this chapter. We began with the first verse studying about these vials or bowls of wrath, of judgment that will be poured out. Horrible things will be happening. Well, I'd like to get into the 17th chapter, but we won't have time. Let's study it and read it for next lesson. But let me just say this. What terrible things are going, people are going to face during the tribulation period. So, wouldn't it be far better for people in this day and age of grace because of the goodness of God, the Bible says the goodness of God leadeth thee or bringeth thee to repentance. Wouldn't it be far better to believe the gospel story of Jesus that He came from heaven he died on the cross for our sins. He paid everything of the sin debt that we owe to redeem us to God. And the Bible says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, to accept Christ.